Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand via Zoom. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, hey Andrew. Thank you for both waving, coming out of the bye week with routine technique form. I like that. (laughs) Easily Um, correctable. (laughs) Speaking of easily correctable, the Vikings are going to have one of those games where we might hear that after the fact, given that they're going to Green Bay without much of a defense. They're going to have new starters in there after the Yannick Ngakwe trade. They're going to have injured corners. We don't know who's going to play there. It's a constant carousel uh, among the defensive backs. Um, but then there's the short-term questions, and then we've also got the long-term questions that we'll get to with the trade deadline approaching right after the Packers game and what else the Vikings might be able to do. Um, let's start with this Packers matchup, though, first and get that out of the way. Dalvin Cook's going to return. Um, ben, he's been limited in practice this week. Um, we're going to see two different approaches, I think, from what Green Bay is looking for long-term and what Minnesota is yep. looking for this season because – the Vikings are trying to get Dalvin Cook back on the field while the Packers have their own injured running back in Aaron Jones. He's dealing with a calf injury, and Matt LaFleur said this week, uh, we're going to need him for the long stretch. And, and I'm not saying that they're rushing Dalvin Cook back, but I don't think the Vikings have that same look of we're going to need all of our guys for January, so Dalvin Cook's going to be out there on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a couple of different things. It, number one, like you said, the Packers have to be thinking beyond – the end of the regular season, at least at this point, and the Vikings don't, they're not going to say this, but they don't really have a mathematical path to that point, at least now. Um, there's also, I think, as Gary Kubiak said today, as, as Dalvin goes, we tend to go. So Dalvin Cook is probably as important as Aaron Jones is to the Packers. Dalvin Cook is probably more essential to the Vikings than Aaron Jones is to the Packers. Um simply because the quarterback the Packers have is more accomplished than the one the Vikings have. The Packers have other ways to win, I think, in part because of that. The other piece of it is that you look at these two approaches to injured players over the years. The Packers have a reputation around the league as being very cautious with injured players. I think even to the point where sometimes where Aaron Rodgers has had broken collarbones, it's been reports out of there about him kind of, pushing against the trainers to try to get back so that he could try to help them make it to the playoffs at 2013, I think comes to mind with that probably more so than 2017, the other time it happened, but we have tended to see them be fairly cautious with players as they've tried to come back. Whereas with the Vikings, I mean, Andrew, you and I have both heard it over the years, guys that have, have been hurt that the Vikings have played or have in some cases probably, urged to play um you know in in cases like Xavier Rhodes in 2018 in New England is the one that comes to my mind the most where we talked to people that said he should not have been out there he couldn't move and they get a hamstring at the time and uh went and played and certainly at the at the urging of some people in that building um so we we've seen them take different approaches we've seen it with even with Dalvin Cook in 2018 when Sam Bradford too Bradford uh, Adam Thielen last year, even. Um, and I, I know in, at least in the cook case, cooks talked about it. And then in the Thielen case, there were people that were upset about 
the fact that it wasn't just a, okay, let's let this thing shut down um, and uh, go from there. So it's a, it's tended to be a different approach. And I think you see it play out a little bit with how they're treating these two running backs. Yeah. And Mike, Ben, Ben kind of said this when he, when he talked about the importance of Dalvin cook to the Vikings compared to the Packers, but I would also venture to guess the Packers are thinking we don't need Aaron Jones necessarily to beat this Vikings defense and what they're bringing into Lambeau field. I think it's got absolutely right. Cause you saw what happened at us bank stadium, you know, just six, seven weeks ago, they, they, they had no answer for, anything Aaron Rodgers did in that game. And that was when they were healthier at corner, right? I mean, they weren't, you know, maybe you can say some of these guys have a few more weeks of experience at this point, but I don't, I don't think that's an equalizer for, for what we saw Aaron Rodgers do to them. And frankly, what he's done pretty much every game this season outside of the Tampa Bay game, which is, you know, look kind of like vintage Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, I, I I think they have more of a luxury, um, whether or not it's a medical approach or whether, whether they see less of a drop-off between their running backs. I mean, I think it's arguable. I, I've gained a more of an appreciation for Dalvin Cook this time with him being injured than maybe I did in other times. I had this kind of idea that Alexander Madison, if you look at the numbers, the numbers are kind of similar in terms of yards per carry. I like the way Madison runs, but, you know, it's arguable that, this is a kind of a different season if Dalvin Cook is healthy because does Dalvin Cook get the yard in Seattle that ends the game? Does Dalvin Cook make a different decision on which hole to go into uh, in the early on in the Atlanta game? I mean, there's there's some there's been some like microcosm plays where you, you say, man, Dalvin Cook would have made a pretty big difference in that game. Um, so he, he is more to Ben's point, more the identity of the Vikings probably because of how much they lean on him versus their quarterback. Um, but, but also maybe the, maybe the drop-off is more noticeable for them from, even though I like Madison, you know, between, between him and, and Madison versus what, what the Packers have behind Jones. I think a lot of people would say that Dalvin's the better running back out of him and Aaron Jones. I mean, if you're just kind of talking about across the league, I think people put Dalvin more up in that higher tier and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't watch enough of Aaron Jones, but with that said, I think you're right. I think there's that bigger drop-off when you go to Alexander Madison when you lose that starter. Um, and so the Vikings are going to get him back, and, and Dalvin's got a history of doing pretty well against the Packers. The difference, though, is that in week one, the Vikings weren't really feeding Dalvin the way that they are now. It was like 14 touches. It was just an odd game. I know it started off with the first half not getting a lot of opportunities for on offense, but I think Dalvin was still like under 30% of, of the offense in that game. And now he's been... I think only like Zeke Elliott and like two other guys have even had as many touches as he's had per game since then. He's they've been leaning on him so much to the point where I think Ben, it was the, was it the 22nd snap it was the first snap of the second half in Seattle when he got hurt, but it was like his 22nd touch or something. Of yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, we're just thinking like, they're really not going to take their foot off the gas on this guy. And it, it doesn't matter. They're they paid him, and it's, it's not like, now we need to manage his workload. It's no, as, as you said, Kubiak talked about, we go as this guy kind of brings yeah. up. Yeah. It's interesting too, because as you talk about the contracts, Aaron Jones, of course, is still trying to get paid in green Bay. He's in that same draft class as Dalvin cook and Alan Kamara and um, Joe Mixon. You know, all of those guys have gotten contracts. So it, it's interesting to kind of watch the difference here when the Vikings 
probably have more reason with Dalvin Cook to say we need to commit to the long term because number one, we're not in the playoff race, really. Number two, we have him signed. We have an investment. Whereas the Packers with Aaron Jones could say, hit the gas. We, we plan to get everything we can out of him this year and try to go as far as we can. And we don't have any concern after that because we're not going to resign him possibly. Or if we are, it's, you know, more touches probably then means more concern about workload, which maybe then depresses the value. I mean, you could, you could play it that way cynically, I suppose, if you wanted to, but it is interesting to see the the difference in approaches given the fact that you would think their respective financial situations would almost lead each team to take the opposite approach. Yeah. And I guess it reminds me of a question I was asked on a radio interview recently, and it was, it was a good one I hadn't thought of, but are they wasting and not, and it's not like they can do anything about it because their team's just so depleted and not good right now, but kind of wasting Dalvin cook's prime. That's not, you know, he's, he's kind of the engine that could drive a team to a super bowl. And this team's just not built to do it right now. And maybe they can do it quickly enough during his prime. And maybe that prime is that windows longer uh, open longer for Dalvin than, than most running backs. We'll have to see. But um, anyway, speaking of windows and, and uh, big areas to throw into um, the cornerback situation, Mike, they don't have many of them. Are, are you warming up? Are you going to play? I was wondering where that segue was going, but I like it. I liked it though. I liked it. And I was, you know, as you were, my wheels were turning already on the, the wasted prime of Adrian Peterson while you were, while you were talking oh. about Dalvin's wasted prime, because you know, your his third season was the, the, the good Brett Favier. And then after that, they just didn't really have much of a quarterback for him for a long time. And that was, you know, again, uh, uh, maybe we're headed to that same situation, but yeah, the, uh, the cornerback, yeah, what do we – pardon me, I hadn't seen a, a Dantzler update today. Is he is he going to be out? We think he's out for sure, or is he still – are we still kind of waiting to see what happens to him on the COVID list? Well, if he's on – if he's symptomatic or if he has a positive test or if he is a high-risk close contact, I don't think there's any way he can play. If he is a low-risk close contact, I think you have to have – two negative tests within a 48 hour period or something like that. And then you could come back. Okay. But, you know, so we, and we, we don't know where he's at in terms of why he's on that list. We're not going to know because they don't have to tell us. Right. Um, but I think the smart money would be on that. He won't be available. I mean, I, I think it's probably more likely that that's the case than not. Yeah, the only way I guess he's not available is if they somehow determined he was a low risk or medium risk, whatever, contact with somebody who was positive. And, and I guess that could be the case if you've got a trainer or a coach. And they don't have to actually list that. If the coach is positive, we won't necessarily know unless it gets reported by us or somebody else. So um, there's a chance that he could return. But as Ben said, I would I would be surprised because higher chances are he either tested positive or he was living with somebody or was in a car with somebody or was in one of those what they call high-risk scenarios where then they quarantine the NFL now quarantines people for five days if they deem that you were a high-risk close contact. So you could test negative for five straight days, but you can't play in that five-day window. So they've kind of adapted things as the season's gone on, and they've gotten a little stricter about that. Um, so What you're really saying is don't hold me closer, Cameron Dantzler. <laughs> that, that joke is funny now as the first three times I saw I, it on Twitter this week. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was the first to it. No, I, I, I oh, assumed it had been made already, but Mike, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen it. I, it was the first. 
it was the first I've I've used it or something. I hadn't heard it. And so hopefully to, to one of our listeners, it was the first time they heard it. Okay, good. Um, anyway, so they, they could be without Cameron Dantzler. Mike Hughes is not practicing after he left the Falcons game with a neck injury. Um, Holton Hill has missed a couple games with a foot injury. It looks like he'll miss another one because he still hasn't practiced this week, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, ben, who, who are they going to have at corner? Well, your options would be Jeff Gladney, um, Chris Boyd, potentially. Now, he's been limited in practice the last two days. Uh, Harrison Hand, and then you go down the list of guys they signed this week, uh, adding Mark Fields from the practice squad and Chris Jones, who is still going through the entering the building COVID protocol and hasn't practiced yet. So um, it's not great. It, it's not the cornerback group, cornerback cohort. I was trying to find a no. way to say that. Uh, it's not the coterie of cornerbacks you'd want to confront <laughs> Aaron Rodgers with. No. What, like, what if they come, What if what if Green Bay comes out in like four wide? Who is it really? Like Gladney and. <laughs> They like, lost. Who's, I mean, they they lost their backup nickel without Mike Hughes because it was George Iloka. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They've got so few options right now, and they're so thin at corner that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Does I that guess mean it, like. Does that mean Gladney has to like shadow Devonte Adams, like, or <laughs> you have like Mark Fields covering Devonte Adams? I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just like playing this out matchup wise. Like, is this what we're gonna see? We're gonna see uh, a lot I'm of have to cover Devonte Adams. <laughs> What? I, Somebody will have to cover Devontae. Well, no, nobody did in week one. So, and then. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, you know, I, I don't know who, how they're going to do it, but it's not going to look good probably, um, especially after you trade your uh, best pass rusher the week before. Now you're going to have Jalen Holmes stepping in there. So I think Andre Patterson said it pretty well on a conference call with media this week when, he had said, we're not just doing this developing guys on the fly with one, two or four spots. You know, we're doing this with more than that. And it, it kind of is the case now because the front office is stripping them of pieces uh, that they could have used to try to get this thing back on the right track. Um, with that said, Ben, do you, do you think they're going to make any more moves at the trade deadline? Like, is this going to be a scenario where um, we see somebody else on the move? When you're talking about the front office taking away pieces. It made me think of the scene in major league where he's like, well, there's only one thing left to do when the whole <laughs> thing can't say the whole thing on the podcast, but yeah, um, I mean, maybe like that's, that's the conversation they're having. Doesn't seem like that's the thing the Vikings are going to do, but you know. every time they win, they, yeah, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it takes us to some bad visuals. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Um, someone, remi- someone remind me why the Vikings are less than a touchdown underdog in this game, by the way. Uh, I, I don't. I missed that. They are really. Yeah, the last spread I saw was six and a half. Green Bay was six and a half. I think wow. teams have gotten fewer or have given fewer yeah. points this year. I think Vegas. I don't has care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Based on the fact there's no fans, but the fact that there are no corners. Um, Maybe that'll yeah. go back before the end of the week. We'll see. Yeah, I, I was anyway. gonna make I was gonna make some joke about betting my house, but I don't have one, so I was. Yeah, gonna, I do. I'm, I'm digging, digging my through my mortgage paperwork right now. I'm like, yeah, we can, you know, we can make uh, this finance. 
Um, six and a half is, uh, yeah, that's generous toward the Vikings. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we talk about the pass rush too. It, it there wasn't much of one in week one mm-hmm. and you don't have any Gakwe as part of that. And you don't have, um, Anthony Barr is part of that either where you did at the time. So it, it, it's not a group that is terribly well suited to make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. I mean, if, if they can somehow it would be quite a, a feat of game planning and coaching, but uh, short of that, it could be a, could be a long day. Well, who, I mean, set this up for me here though. They've got the trade deadline coming up. They can't trade any more pass rushers because they don't have any left. Um, they've, I guess you could talk about, we, we mentioned on the last podcast, guys like Kyle Rudolph, Anthony Harris, um, Riley Reef, Riley Reef, yeah. Riley Reef. You know, there's a lot of smoke out there about Adam Thielen, but I would be shocked just personally if we saw him get moved at all. Yeah, um, my sense on Thielen has been that it's not terribly likely. I mean, there there certainly has been a lot of smoke. We've heard some of it this week. Uh, the Browns have come up quite a bit in, for obvious reasons because they just lost OBJ and they have. You know, Adam Thielen's former offensive coordinator and his former position coach are on that staff. So, I mean, that I get why people are saying that, but the that's the kind of player that if you are hoping for this to be a short turnaround, I, I don't yeah. think you deal a guy like that. Because I, I, everything about Adam Thielen would suggest he's still going to be productive for three, four more years. And you also have that's a big contract to deal. And my sense in talking to people this week has been they're not terribly interested in dealing him. If they got something that blew them away, maybe, but um, his productivity, the fact that they would take a massive PR hit for doing it, and the fact that he's one of the cores of a group that they're hoping can flip it around pretty quickly, I don't see it. It's hard for me to imagine unless they got something that just blew them away. That's that would signal to me like a teardown, not a rebuild. Like right, yeah, right. It, it feels like that would be like a we don't think we're going to be good for the next two or three years, and you know maybe they won't be, but that I don't think they're going to try to send that signal six games into a yeah. season after you know going to the playoffs last year. Well, and if you're gonna if you're gonna do a teardown, then everything's on the table. I mean, you you find what you can get. I, I don't think there's anybody that's going to want to take on cousins contract, but you try to find whatever you can get for whoever's of any value. I mean, I, I I'm don't listening. Think... Well, <laughs> but then Go you're, on. Talking about, you're talking about guys like Irv Smith that I, I think know, have I some yeah. value to other teams because he's young. You know, that's a name that from things that have been talked about around the league that they're not terribly interested in parting with. So I, I don't think this is a, we're going to sell off anything we can get. And I just, you know, for reasons we've talked about, I don't think this administration is looking to do things that way either. Yeah. I guess Riley reef is one that kind of makes sense to me. If you look at teams that really need the help and are in positions to still contend, if you're talking about Tennessee who lost their left tackle, you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles who have a lot of O-line problems and and are somehow in position to win the NFC East. Yeah, two, four, and one, I think, and they yeah. could still win and, and host a playoff game. Um, yeah, there, there are enough teams that need offensive linemen. Those guys are always in, in high demand. So, and especially now that you just took $5 million of his money, 
um, you know, it'd be even less to, to get him. So um, maybe that would help. I don't know. I could see that guy being on the move just based on the demand around the league. Um, as you mentioned, though, earlier, I think there's kind of a there's kind of a, a, a feeling, at least, that these things need to be done quickly, not really waiting until November 3rd to do them because of COVID, because it takes six days to get new guys into your facility. Like we've talked before the podcast, if they if you try to trade for somebody this weekend, uh, you're not even getting in him in for the following week. Like if it's yeah. a week eight trade on a Saturday. You're not going to get him in for week nine because you're not going to get him to practice at all. So I think the Ravens trade with the Vikings came together because the Ravens were on a buy. They were able to use that week to kind of get Ngakwe through the testing and then yep. boom, they could have him there Wednesday for practice. So I guess, Ben, I don't know if this is going to be a situation where we're just sitting here waiting for the deadline to come up. No, I, I think it's more likely you see things get done today, tomorrow, uh, over the weekend, probably when I'm driving to Green Bay. <laughs> that tends to be when they do these things. I'm not going to tell you, Rick, when I'm driving because then you won't know. And then I can't have to pull over to write a story about it, which I think I had to do a couple of years. Well, yeah, back in 2016, when the plane went off the runway, I was driving. I had to pull over at a Culver's in Wausau to write about that um on my way over there so the, I think the bigger point yeah the biggest point you guys are making is that you have to factor in an extra week I don't think that's a deal breaker for anybody though right if you want something bad enough and you're six and one right now or you have a good record and you're thinking you head to the playoffs then you, you it's not a, you know it's not the end of the world if you don't have someone for another week yeah it'll be interesting to, to me to see if that, if that deadline does anything to spurn a lot of movement because we've seen some already we've seen um guys get traded it's just been low-level stuff I haven't really seen any big names I do love this time of year, though, because we've seen uh, definite reports of, you know, I don't know, fake accounts saying Adam Thielen to the Browns. I saw J.J. Watt to the Seahawks. I saw Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are getting traded. Uh, all these fake accounts have the GM fantasy football thing flying everybody around there. And then we get the questions of like, so Adam Thielen's gone, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. there's, um, there's a few of those accounts that you got to – you see it pop up and before you do anything with it, double check. It's tough. Cause now you got that, that one um, uh, text block where it's like a seven in a, in a circle. And it looks yep. like a check mark. If you're not looking close enough. Yep. <laughs> anyway, it's just the worst. People are the worst. Check the following, <laughs> check the spelling of the handle, all this little stuff before you get all fired up about it. Just take the extra five seconds to check. It's uh, yeah. take it from somebody that has, nearly fell for a, a fake one uh, earlier this year, saw something on uh, some trade rumor and texted a few people about it. Like, wait, nope, never mind. That's a fake. Didn't put it out on Twitter, but. Uh, I like to think that's, I like to think that's where the Anthony Barr trade rumors came from that Mike Zimmer randomly brought up a couple of years ago in a press conference that no one, even the PR people were like, we don't know where he got that from. Yeah. Yeah. That one was, I, I think, we went into that, or I think they expected us to ask a bunch of questions about it. And we were all just so like, uh, what? That mm -hmm. nobody even did. I think everybody just uh, let that one, let that backdoor curveball go by without taking a swing at it, as opposed I, to other things. I think I spent a good three weeks this past off season forgetting that the tweet that I'd seen about Anthony Harris getting traded to Cleveland was from a fake account. So I feel like for three weeks, I, I, was, I had it in my head that he'd been traded to Cleveland, even though I, I knew intellectually that that hadn't happened. I'd forgotten that it was a fake account that I'd seen the tweet from. Isn't that weird? 
these these are dangerous uh, dangerous times here. We gotta yeah. we gotta be wary of what we read. Mind mind yeah. what you read. Um, all right, Ben. Before we get to questions, before we open up the mailbag for some Twitter questions, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, we brought up Kyle Rudolph a little bit regarding the trade deadline, but even if he's still here after November third, are we possibly looking at the last couple months of his Vikings tenure? Boy, I. <laughs> I have to think that's a certainly certainly a possibility. I mean, you look at what the way the snap counts have gone. Um, I mean, this is this has been coming. I mean, you don't you don't pick Irv Smith where they picked him if you're not planning for him to be the guy going forward. And Rudolph has, I think, made it clear he wants to be here. But and they've restructured the contract and and certainly were very fair to him as they did it in terms of giving him more years and some guaranteed money. But when you look at, I think he's got 10 catches in six games and he's playing less at this point than Irv Smith is. I, I have to think we're heading towards that because typically when playing time and compensation have a fairly linear relationship in the NFL and when one goes down, the other one tends to, and, and Rudolph may be willing to restructure again to save them some money, but they need a lot of cap savings especially if you're looking at having to do a deal for somebody like Daniel Hunter again, um, they need to clear some money. So I tend to think, yeah, it's very possible we're heading towards the final days of that. Yeah. Because when you look at his contract now, I think it's, it's important to remember too, the first contract renegotiation didn't go that smoothly. It no, it didn't started in March of I think 2019 or eight, I can't remember what year. Yeah. Um, it was before last season. It started in March and it, it dragged on until I think May or June. And it got to the point where it was getting leaked that, you know, contract talks were shelved, just like what happened with the Dalvin Cook thing. Yep. Um, and that it looked like he was going to get traded. And that's when the Patriots talk came up and that they were interested. And when they got wind that he might be available. Um, and so I, I just think that, I don't know, I'll be curious to see how he approaches this, given the fact that Kyle obviously loves Minnesota. He's talked all, you know, to length's end about kind of, why he wants to stay here and why he wanted to do that deal to stay here. Will he go as far to do what Brian Robinson did or Chad Greenway, which is continually give back money that the contract says you're owed? Um, I don't know because I think he's good enough to be utilized in the right system. Yeah. Um, especially as a red zone target, as a part-time player and can help a team win. And I don't think, I don't think he's the kind of guy that is kind of falling off that steeply. I just think this Viking system isn't one like, they need to scheme guys a little bit more open for this, this quarterback in this system. So I don't know. It'll be, I'll be really interested to see how Kyle decides to approach this because we should mention, I think his cap hit next year makes him like the fourth highest paid tight end. I think yeah. it's something yeah. like that. It's also easier to want to stay around and take less money when you're staying around as part of a winning team. Yeah. If you were staying around to be part of a rebuild, you know, Maybe you say, okay, I'm going to live here in my off seasons. I'm going to play a few more years somewhere else. And, you know, then I'm going to retire here and that'll be fine. But I think the framework through which we've looked at a lot of these things where guys want to stay around over the last few years could be changing if they're looking at it saying, mm, I don't know if we're going to be ready to win here for another little bit. And do I want to take less money to stay and be part of that? Or do I want to, I'm going to take less money and go somewhere where I can be part of a winning team. I mean, I, I certainly think that could change the calculus a little bit for some of these guys. 
Welcome to Strip Sports Live. Michael Rand here on the rest of the uh, the rest of the Vikings Access Vikings podcast with you as well, taking all of your questions. Can't imagine what you'd have to ask about a one in five Vikings team, but you do. You do have a lot of questions, so let's uh, let's let's get to it. Andrew Kramer, do you have a good one teed up for us right off the bat? I do. Yeah, Davis asks. Obviously, there's a lot wrong with the Vikings. Good segue from what you were just saying, Mike. Um, mm. What? What are the three things, though, that fans should be excited or optimistic about? Uh, you take a more silver lining, positive approach with it, I guess, to filibuster and give you guys time to think about it. I'll say just off of our last conversation, I would say Irv Smith Jr. is a good transition into this. I think he's somebody that we're starting to see him kind of come into his own and kind of play a lot, a lot more. And in the case of the Falcons game, play more than Kyle Rudolph did. Um, I think that's he's kind of giving them the flashes of what they've wanted to see in terms of downfield receiver. He made the leaping catch. I think it was in Seattle uh, early on that opening drive. That's the kind of thing that builds the confidence and builds the trust, I think with Kirk. And we've heard Kirk cousins talk about kind of feeling more comfortable going to him as he kind of builds that trust with the coaching staff and with the quarterback. So I think that's one area that you should be positive about. Um, Ben, do you have another one? Uh, Justin Jefferson would be the big one to me. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at the year he's had, everybody's kind of talking about these comparisons to at least statistical comparisons to Randy Moss's rookie, which I think let's pump the brakes on that a little bit, given how much of the Vikings passing production has been in games where they're behind. And that team obviously was in a much different place competitively yeah. than this one is. Um, that team lost one five, game. This team had a five and a one in its record, but different columns. Um, that said, he has been outstanding and looks like he's got all the tools to be a great receiver in the NFL. And I, I think the, the way he wants to go about the job has been impressive to a lot of people in that building. And it, at least at this point, seems like that's going to be a good fit for what they want to do for the long term. So I would put him on that list. I would say if you believe they got it right on the corners that they drafted Gladney and Dantzler, um, you, you're going to have to ride some of this out and deal with the growing pains. But if they got it right on those guys, the fact that they're getting time to play this year, at least at the moment, Jeff Gladney is Cameron Dantzler, um has to get back from the COVID list. But you would look at those things as well, I think, and say, if you have the potential out of this draft to have gotten a, a franchise type receiver and a couple of corners that can be good pieces for you. That's a, a nice way to build for the long term. I, I think there's the jury is still very much out on the corners, but um, certainly in the case of Justin Jefferson, I think it looks like they have something there. Yeah. I, I'd say the off the offense in general, um, just, I feel like, you know, Kirk cousins uneven play aside, I think that's a nice euphemism for uh, poor, yeah. Um, but you know, you look at the skill positions, um, you know, I think you get Dalvin cook signed to an extension. Now you've got, you gotta feel like you'd like Ben said, you gotta feel good about Justin Jefferson and you're talking about Irv Smith. You still got Adam Thielen. You think he's going to be good for a while. If the offensive line, which we've talked about basically for the last uh, million years, if, if some of, if more, more than, more than most or more, more than half of you know, let's say, let's say three of the four picks they've used on, you know, top three round guys in the last three years, even let's say the last three, let's say Garrett Bradbury, Brian O'Neill, and 
uh, Ezra Cleveland, let's say those guys all pan out to some degree and at least become average players that you've kind of got the making of an offense that's set up for a good number of years. And then, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, I, I you know I, cousins is still signed through 2022. You imagine it's him, but if, if this trajectory of play continues, you could even imagine, you know, the timeline of a younger, different quarterback kind of aligning with some of the other younger pieces they have on offense. So I think, I think there's reason for optimism on offense. And I guess the reason for optimism on defense would be you have a defensive head coach, at least at the moment, uh, who, who has a track record of, of helping that spot. Yeah. And I guess we heard Andre Patterson say it even more kind of emphatically and saying that we have pride as an organization to drafting, developing guys. He pointed to Linval Joseph being a good player with the New York giants. And when we got him, he became a great player. Um, those kinds of things. And th- they take a lot of pride in turning to Neil Hunter and, and helping him become kind of the player he did um, leading up to this season. So I think those are the areas where defensively you have to just kind of bank on, Hey, they're going to hopefully if you're the Viking, if you're a Vikings fan, you're hoping they're going to develop DJ Wanham into a guy who can contribute down the road uh, meaningfully. You're hoping that, um, yeah, the corners are the big piece too. Um, I think we've seen a lot of good things from Eric Wilson as well. I think he's shown that he can be that kind of third starter when going into this year was supposed to be Ben Gideon and was Ben Gideon until he suffered the concussion issues. Um, so I think they found something there with, with Wilson developing, but there's just so many holes that in, in question marks, I think, not, not to get too negative on a positive question, but like with Mike Hughes, he was supposed to be one of the bright spots of this year and now he's not healthy. And, and it's just injuries have undercut a lot of guys. And, and it's not just the old guys. It's, it's younger guys like Mike Hughes who are Holton Hill, who should be on the field right now. And it's three weeks with a foot injury. Um, there's just been a lot of disruption in some of this development that you're hoping that the right guys who need it are staying on the field. And, and I, I think they've got a couple guys who are. Should we go 180 degrees now toward the uh, negative ledger with the next question? Sure, why not? Uh, which, Viking, uh, which Vikings-related decision will go down as being worse, trading for Herschel Walker or signing Kirk Cousins? Wow. 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 Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> Walker. It's, it's, wow. I get, the, I get the – I mean, the premise of the question, I, I get it. But, yeah, Herschel Walker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you set up the Cowboys for their dynasty, yep. three Super Bowls that you never won uh, in exchange for a guy that barely helped you get to the playoffs one year. I think it's, uh, yeah, I'd say that's a, that's a no contest right there. It's a bad litmus test for where, or the temperature check, I guess, for where Vikings fans are with Kirk Cousins, though. It's a pretty, it's a pretty bad scope of kind of where they're at because, um, I don't know, but then we keep hearing um, coaches talk about, I don't know, potentially benching Kirk, not, not them talking about actually benching, but getting asked about it. Yep. And that's just kind of where he's at. And I don't think they would ever bench him, but um, they certainly need him to play better than he's playing right now. Yeah. The, the question is interesting in the sense that it, it reveals something fairly telling about where we're at. I mean, the, the fact yeah. that you've been, even, I think somewhat facetiously here, <laughs> even if you're, yeah bringing the uh, up the the name Herschel Walker in the same sentence um it tells you where we are and, and certainly uh, it's not a question in my mind yeah when you talk about what that trade did for the Cowboys and uh what those picks potentially could have done for the Vikings and um 
yeah, that one is a lot more monumental, but here's yeah, a, it's an indicator of where we're at with Cousins. Here's a, here's a, maybe a better question, uh, maybe more serious question. What, what was worse, the second Cousins contract or drafting Christian Ponder? Boy. It's got to be uh, drafting Christian Ponder. Yeah, I I'm think just, so. I'm just going off of the fact that when they decided to hold on to Kirk Cousins, with that contract, I don't know if you had the full grip on what the pandemic was going to do to your off season. Yeah. Um, he is coming on. And again, these are all their talking points for the move, but it's, he, he won his first playoff game with an overtime touchdown pass. I don't think anybody had that prop bet on Kirk cousins. I don't think anybody was expecting it. And I, I wonder, there was a question we got last week and I answered it in our mailbag. And I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but somebody had asked, would things have been different? Had they lost that saints game? And I think absolutely. I think if Kirk doesn't make that play, I'm not saying that they don't extend him, but I don't know if there's the same energy about it. I don't know if there's the same, I don't know if it's the same money. I don't know if everything around it is the same. Um, I just think that kind of pushed them toward doing it. Yeah. I mean, the, the ponder pick, I mean, Cousins, the, the logic by which they made the decision, we are, we are hearing that contract at the moment in large part because of a six game sample size and, I don't know if he's going to pull out of this. I, I think his track record would suggest that he's not going to be this bad. But even if he is this bad, the basis of facts you made the decision to sign him on, I would submit was still a better basis than the one on which you drafted Christian Ponder, which was, hey, we need a quarterback. And this guy looks like he can play right away. And the ceiling may not be that high, but let's hitch our wagon to him. I mean, that, that pick is a lot harder even now to look back on, look back on it and defend it. Yeah. All right. Um, Scott's actually got a good one. Uh, he asks, does the lack of fans who would no doubt be booing a U.S. bank stadium these days have any impact on positively or negatively on Spielman and Zimmer making a case to stay the course to the Wilfs in terms of keeping their jobs? Uh, Scott says seems really toxic and everyone in the organization would be feeling it if the stadium was full right now. Good point. I, yeah. I think that's an interesting question. I think it's a good point given the fact of how, what their home games have been the one point loss mm -hmm. to Tennessee, notwithstanding, I guess the, the uh, Falcons game was pretty horrific as was the Packers game. Yeah. I'm blown leads. And it's certainly in the, in the Titans game. Um, it's interesting because I, I think I wrote something a couple of weeks ago, or one of those first home games talking about how had there been fans in the stands, the Vikings might not have liked the reception. And, and somebody came back and said, I can't believe you'd think that they'd be booing. It's like, well, this was a playoff team last year that talked about you know, pretty openly about getting over the hump and taking the next step and had the reasons that they said that they were confident in doing that was an offense that returned almost everybody other than their best receiver. But it does look, at least at this point, production-wise, like they've replaced Stefan Diggs in a lot of ways. So, I mean, it's impossible to know, but I, I think there would have been some boos by that point. I certainly, I mean, they would have gotten booed the entire day against Atlanta. And, I mean, you think back to the last time, I mean, I, I, I don't remember a lot of booing uh, when they fired Leslie Frazier. Um, but th there was certainly a lot of fired children's chants in 2010 that maybe contributed to some of those things. Yeah, I think owners tend to, and the Wolves have been patient, 
but I, I do think they tend to react to what the, they're feeling from the fan base. And if it does feel like things are toxic and you're in that stadium every Sunday, if you're the Wilfs and listening to that team get booed, I, I, I do think it would have a little bit of a different imprint on your impression of the season. Well, and those things reverberate too. Like, I mean, if, if we're talking about a one in five Vikings team, that was a playoff team. I know there's all the excuses of the injuries and everything that, that has happened to them. That is just bad luck. But um, these clips get played on sports center. They get played on radio shows. They get played, they get um, disseminated through media. The, the sounds of the stadium, what's happening. I mean, one of my favorite NFL sounds ever is of a jets crowd uh, booing and screaming for Tim Tebow and wanting Tim Tebow to come save them. Um, that it, it, these sounds <laughs> of bad teams get and they do. And, and right now it's just, it's an empty sound. It's, it's a si- it's a sound of a Packers sideline cheering, a Falcon sideline cheering and that echoing because there's nothing else in the stadium. And I do think it's a lot easier to shield yourself from the backlash when you're, if you're not facing it in person on Sunday. Yeah. So Mike, what do you think? I think it's interesting. I, I, I think it's, there's something to it. I, I think maybe it's even part of a larger question of like, what does the impact of just everything weird about this year, how does that impact decision-making, you know, firing someone mid season, eating contracts in a down revenue, a down revenue yeah. uh, time and just, you know, whatever grace you might give someone. I, everyone's, operating underneath the strange set of weird circumstances, same set of strange circumstances. So maybe it's, you know, maybe that we're kind of beyond that. And we have seen coaches fired already, you know, in the middle of this year, you know, both of them, you know, surrounding Vikings games, essentially with the yeah. Falcons and, uh, and Texans. But um, I, I think it has an impact. I, I think, I think there's, there's, there's more factors to take into consideration this year than, than there would be in just a normal year in terms of, do we do we make a move right now? Do we, do the other we thing I change course. The other thing I think I would add to this discussion, though, is that when you do have the ability to put people back in the stadium, the Vikings announced today that they will not have fans for the Lions game. So the first half of their home games will have been played with no fans. You, if they've talked about still trying to get people back into the stadium. And I know they had a lot, a large percentage of season ticket holders opt out for the year. If you are trying to get people back, whether it's this year or whenever we get out of this and people are probably still going to have some trepidation about heading into a stadium, is there going to need to be something that gets people excited where it's like, you know, I'm still not crazy about going, but man, I'm really excited to see this new quarterback or this new coach or whatever. I, I tend to think that that may factor into their minds a little bit. And is any of this stuff enough to push anybody to the point where they actually make a decision one way or the other? It's hard to say. We, we don't have, even in a normal year, we, we very, very rarely get to hear from the Wilfs and hear what they're thinking. Um, certainly not this year. So it, it's hard to, we're kind of just trying to, to read tea leaves a little bit here, but just in general, I think if you're talking about your brand and you're talking about a team that built a new stadium, built a new practice facility, had uh, financially, I think, as strong of a footprint in this town as it has had in an awfully long time. And now you, you've lost a lot of that momentum because of the way the season has gone and because of a, a pandemic that has changed, I think, the way we interact with sports as you come out of those things. 
are they going to feel like we need something to jolt that recovery process? That it it's an unknowable commodity, I think, at mm-hmm. this point. But it's I think it's worth considering. Unknowable commodities. Got a lot of them here on this Vikings team. Um, a lot of them sometimes on this podcast. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably break there. Thank you guys for checking this out on both, uh, whether it's Facebook Live, Access Vikings Podcast. You can find it all at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.